Welcome to The Current Thing with me, Nick Dixon. So we had, we had a slight break, a slight pause, which is the cardinal sin in podcasts, but I took a week off because I was ill, and the problem was the guest I booked was Andrew Doyle, who's also kind of my boss at work. So even if I was well enough to try and soldier on through the podcast, you can't really say, sorry, Andrew, I'm not coming into work, but still do the podcast. So there was a bit of a problem I got <laughs> myself in there, so we missed a week. But we're back with a top, top guest. You'll know him as the co-host of Trigonometry, which I invented, but we don't need to go into that. Now on GB <laughs> News Headliners, which I also named. Basically, I, I invented everything, guys. The sooner you accept that, the better. And he's just done a stand-up comedy tour. You'll have probably seen his viral videos. Your friend and mine. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Francis Foster. Thanks for doing this, Francis. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Nick. Yeah, mate. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to chatting. We always have a laugh. It's always good fun. Yeah, yeah. We caught up last night and it was a good laugh. And I mm. thought, let's capture that gold. Let's capture that on the old, uh, on the old podcast because you were doing Headliners, which is a fun show. I'm sure everyone knows Mm. about Headliners. Don't need to go on about it. But I thought we'd start with, you got in a bit of a Twitter spat recently. We don't need to go into too much detail on it. You got in a little thing with Matt Walsh, and there was this general debate, more than the gossip, I'm more interested Mm. in the general debate about how we approach wokeness. Do we have Mm -hmm. to be polite and win hearts and minds, or do we just crush them into the ground, which is more (laughs) Matt Walsh's style? And as a sort of follow-up to that, Constantine had written this tweet, I fear the biggest problem with wokeness isn't the undeniable stupidity of wokeness, it's the inevitable backlash. And I was thinking, I'm all right with the backlash. I'm kind of ready for the backlash at this stage. Like, bring on the backlash. Maybe that's me. Maybe I've gone scorched earth. But, but I, you know, he's still sort of on this centrist thing. Let's mm. win hearts and minds and be careful. Whereas I'm more like, burn it all down. So any thoughts on that? And where do you stand? Well, I guess I think the thing that I always think, Nick, is that it's not really about us. It's not really about the Matt Walshes. It's not really about the people occupying this space, the podcasters, the broadcasters, the online personalities. It's about the ordinary people who are caught up in this nonsense. It's about the ordinary people who can get fired, who can lose their jobs for saying completely innocuous things, which five, seven, eight years ago, none of us would have batted an eyelid at. Yet now, if you say these things, you get into a lot of problems. And to me, the struggle and the fight has always been about those people. The reality is, for us, we're always going to be all right because we're, you know, we've got our followings. You've got your following. You're doing great work with the Daily Skeptics. You're going to be absolutely fine. But if you work for a corporation, if you work for a company, if you work for local government, you don't have that safety net and you do not have that luxury. And I think it's very important and it's our responsibility, however we want to look at it, in order to make sure that we can that we can convince as many people as possible that the way that we look at the world, that the way that we perceive things is the correct way of doing it. And I've always thought that you can never win hearts and minds in order to use that phrase by being antagonistic. You might pander to your base, you might engage with the hard line, but you're not going to win over the people who are uncertain. Hmm. Fair point. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if we're going to be all right. You might be all right. I sometimes think, I mean, people keep trying to get me to resign from GB News because because of Mark Stein, which I've never quite understood. We already go into that Why? rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. They, they think because, because Stein was sort of had that contract problem and, and obviously well, he wasn't exactly sacked, but they offered him a contract that wasn't very favorable, mm. let's say. And he probably couldn't have signed that contract. So then he left. But people say, I have to resign in solidarity even though I've never met Mark Stein, I don't necessarily agree with the way he's handled it. To me, if anything, I probably shouldn't say this, but if anything, they're saying I should stand up in a Spartacus moment with Stein, whereas to me, he's kind of thrown other people under the bus by dominating the narrative and putting us all under pressure where people are mm. harassing me to resign. I'm like, mm. a little bit selfish. But the Stein nuts completely disagree and they all sort of shout at me and say, you know, you've got no integrity. And I think I do have integrity, but I'll resign for my own reasons. And if anything, I have to sort of calm down my self-destructive urge mm. to just resign from everything all the time. But they're yeah. saying, you know, you've got no integrity because of that. Well, look, I, I think it's very, very easy for people on the sidelines to start making comments. You know, I get people going to me, oh, you know, you know, you, you do the easy thing and, and whatever else. And I'm like, hang on a minute, mate. I was in the comedy industry and openly criticising it. I went on the biggest comedy podcast, in, or the, or the biggest podcast in the world and slammed that industry for for 
the best part of four and a half hours. Like, what do you do behind your faceless avatar and your 22 followers? That's what I always say. It's like you've got numbers in you. You've got an anonymous picture. You've got a profile yeah. with numbers in it. I'm out here saying mad <laughs> stuff on the national TV three times a week. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. getting cancelled by the whole comedy industry, as you recall, because I, I mm. went on Trigonometry to talk about it. I'm getting in yeah. two national newspapers and the Jeremy Vine show. Do you think I like that? <laughs> and I'm doing all this yeah. stuff and it's like, Nick's got no integrity because he won't follow my agenda that I don't even understand. Obviously, you know, The thing is, it's about Ofcom. Ofcom's a bit of a nightmare because it mm. regulates broadcasters there's nothing you can do about that so what i think we have to do is attack ofcom at the legislative level and you have to say Mm -hmm. you know the online safety bill goes too far and all this kind of stuff and all the stuff that toby young's really good at and let's do all that but we once those rules are established what are we going to do we're we're there if you just just break all the rules you'll just gb will just end in a day they'll be hit with ridiculous fines or they'll have their license revoked yeah and look but these people don't care because to them they it doesn't bother them. It doesn't affect them in the slightest. They're only interested in being morally right. They're, very, they're essentially the right-wing version of the woke left. They have the same values, the same ethos, the same beliefs, really. It's just a couple of things that are missing. And you're never going to convince people like that because they are the hardline minority. And that's just the way it is. And you just say to those people, go on, mate, crack on. Uh, enjoy being James Dellingpole. <laughs> let's not let's not James. he's doing very well he just sold out 900 seats at the Emmanuel Centre so yeah, you know I like not, James yeah. he's had a pop at me so there's one for him oh has he oh okay yeah okay yeah well I, I don't I'm, I'm trying to be friends with everyone you know me Francis just just love everyone but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah it's tricky because I did a weekly skeptic with Toby and it, people will think it's like me trying to take over from James it wasn't at mm-hmm. all we were going to do interviews at first with me just interviewing people and Toby was barely going to be on it it's transformed into me and Toby you know doing Bant, so it looks like it's the new London calling, but it's, it's, it's different, really. But yeah, James is smashing it. He just sold out 900 seats at the Manual Center. But hey, maybe there's a market for the, the people you think are nutters. I mean, people are very passionate. They do love Stein. They love free speech. I love free speech as well, but I don't think free speech includes just pointlessly breaking Ofcom rules and, and getting a £5 million fine like ITV. But yeah, hey. But this is, but this is it. This is it. Uh, you know, you're getting a call from uh, uh, no, no, right now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's just my producers <laughs> messaging me because I've got to go and pick something up after this. Apologies. Um, okay. No, the, the thing is with, uh, with uh, that was obviously a joke about James. You know, and he do, he does you know really 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 fantastic podcast. People enjoy him. It's just a joke. I don't want to start being beef with James. Yeah, another Paul. beef. You you got so many beefs <laughs> going now, Francis. I don't know. I try and be nice. I try and be nice. And I'm like, you know, let's not get into any arguments today, Francis. And before I know it, I've made a joke and then everything has erupted. And then all of a sudden there's 63 million people. Yeah. Anyway, it was a joke. So, but we, we were sorry about that. So we were talking about Mark Stein and Ofcom. And I think the thing that we, you, we all need to understand is that Twitter and the internet isn't a real place. It's not a real place. And as a result of that, you can't take what anyone says on there that seriously. And if you do, you will go insane because Twitter is insane. Yeah, fair enough. And I think it's interesting what you say about real people. Um, they have they're more vulnerable in a sense because they mm. they can they're in their teaching job, or whatever. They don't use the right pronouns for a student, and they get sacked, mm. which happened to that math teacher, for example. But at the same time, they don't understand necessarily that. They are protected, they're anonymous, whereas we're out there and this is actually a job. For whatever yeah. reason, we've ended up in this job. We didn't want to. We just wanted to be comedians, yeah. guys. We wanted to make yeah. people laugh. The world changed. Now we're in this mm. job where we say things. And we, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that being your job. Sometimes people mm. watch at home, they see it on the telly, they think it's all drama to them. But they've got to compare it to their own job, not to some yeah. ideal, I think. Mm. And I think in their job... I always think they're probably putting pronouns in their email signature and yeah. staying quiet. And some people have said yeah. to me, yeah, we are Nick, but you're out there to be the free speech hero. Their words, not mine. And, yeah. um, and I understand that. You're there to represent them in a way that they can't. Mm. But you've also got to be fair and be like, you, it took me 11 years to get this job. I'm just going to torch it for no reason. And also mm. for a reason I don't agree with. If it's something I agree with, if you tell me I have to wear a mask or something or at the studio mm. or wear a mask on air or say abortion is great yeah. up to nine months, I'm gonna, obviously not going to do it. But, you know, everyone's got their own principles. Yeah, well, this is it. This is it. And it's very easy, like we've discussed before, for people behind anonymous, faceless accounts to lecture others who are in the public eye and are in the firing line about what they should or shouldn't do. 
And you just go, mm, no, you know. And it's something people say to me about trigonometry. You know, I, I, it's got to the point now where I end up being collared by both the right and the left. And it doesn't matter what I say or do. The reality is you're never going to please anyone, everyone. And you're going to see this the more you, you go through your career, the bigger you get. I was walking down the, the road in, 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 my area, in my area in South London and uh, came across this comedian who I used to know from the circuit. And he was like, Francis, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good, good, good. And then we had a bit of back and forth. And he went, I think trigonometry is disgusting. I was like, what? <laughs> He goes, I want to know who that is you... now. Can, we, can yeah. you tell me after who that is? Yeah, of course I'll tell you after. And but he it goes, could be any, you... one of any number of people in the comedy industry. And it's not like Andrew's book in New Puritans. He talks about an old mm. friend calling him a yeah. Nazi and just suddenly yeah. being on, like seriously on a rant calling him a Nazi. Yeah, and, and this is it. And he goes, you know, you're spreading hatred against trans people. And he goes, and you know the, 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 the trans girl, Brianna Gay, that was murdered, 16 years old, which we, we both heard of. And it's obviously an awful, tragic case. Anyway, now I didn't say you did it, but I'm like, hang on, mate. That's generous. You didn't actually, yeah. you didn't actually pull the trigger, but you know, you're, no. you're there or thereabouts. You drove exactly. the getaway car. That's 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 nuts. Yeah, and then he was just going, you know, I've been, you know, I receive, you know, because he's a gay guy. He goes, I receive uh, homophobic abuse online, and this is because of you, the culture war that you, the mainstream media, and Question Time have started. I'm like, what Question, question Time? time? Question time. On the BBC. <laughs> yeah, has started this kind of uh, this kind of toxic uh, atmosphere, and then uh, halfway through his rant, where he was becoming more and more angry, this bloke walked past, just leaned in halfway through, and went, "I love trigonometry," and just carried on walking. <laughs> that is so perfect. That's hilarious. It is. It is. Well, there man. you go. See, so, yeah, that exactly proves that you're right there in the se- the sensible centrist in the middle. I had both sides, well, one side hating you, one side loving you. But potentially both well, sides hating you, depending on the day. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, last week it felt like every fucker was hating me, mate. Wow. Does it get to it you? Felt- Does it get to you, the, the whole culture war? Do you ever just want to quit the whole culture war thing and just say, can I go? Because the problem is, right, we have certain skills, mm. a very specific set of skills. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we just wanted to be comedians, as I said. Mm. And maybe we can go back to that point because actually the culture war we didn't start it i would say like billy mm. what, billy joel we didn't start the fire we can get into that but yeah. do you also just get sick of it and just think oh i just want to go and work in a lighthouse or something yeah i do there, there are periods where i'm just like can i really have another discussion about what is a woman do you know what i mean <laughs> are we gonna keep doing this time after time after time and you go well <sighs> But but it's important. It's important. It's important to have these discussions. It's important not so much to have the discussion, but just to see that uh, to show the people that you can have a discussion about this, that you can share ideas, that you can discuss, that you can push back, and these doesn't make it does that doesn't make you racist, bigoted, whatever else. And also as well, and, and the thing that I dislike most about wokeism and the. I use wokeism, you know, this kind of progressive mindset, whatever you want to call it. Uh, neo neo Marxism as uh, your great hero and all round chap good chap JBP would call it. Um, the reason that I have a problem with it is that it's fundamentally anti-human, and by that it doesn't be- believe in forgiveness. It doesn't allow transgression. It doesn't allow flaws. It doesn't allow faults. It doesn't allow you to fail. And if you think about it, the well, the moments you've really grown as a human being, all of us, are when we've made mistakes, we've made errors, and we've been forced to look at our own behaviours, our own patterns, uh, our own opinions, and uh, challenge them, and grow. And by cancelling people, getting rid of them, firing them, demeaning them, dogpiling them, what you're essentially doing is preventing them with the opportunity for growth, which is why I'm so against it. Hmm. Yeah, interesting point. Yeah, there's there's no mechanism for forgiveness, as people like Douglas Murray mm. have said, and many others. Mm. Yeah, when I sort of get sick of it is when there's someone like, there's a guy now with a, a, quite a large following, mm. and all he does is go through watching GB News in great detail, or, or GB News adjacent things, and mm. writing long threads about how evil we are. And then at the end, he puts links to Ofcom to, <laughs> to complain about us. I'm like, this is, this is extraordinary. And I still can't even be bothered looking into what he, he even does for a job. I can't imagine sitting through an interview... I did an interview with uh, Andrew Bridge and he just watched the whole yeah. thing looking for like libel 
libelous claims and things like this. Mm. And it's like, I'm just interviewing, you know, I'm not a journalist, so I'm just sort of yeah. let the guest speak and go, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it's like, he didn't challenge him. I didn't even read it because I can't, I can't look at his garbage. But that's when I sometimes think, oh, wouldn't it be nice just not be hated? And like you say, I'm probably, you're probably on a much higher level of hate than me, but, and everyone's on a different level. Andrew Dawes on a level, Toby Young, there's different levels to this mm. game of hatred, but it's horrible, isn't it? Because you just think, oh, I'm, I'm a nice enough guy. Well, you yeah. just think, God, do I want this? Well, th this is it, you know, because w when we started out in comedy, I just wanted to be an amazing comedian. Like, you know, my like my heroes, Chris Rock, Chappelle, um, Bill Hicks, you know, that that's, those are the kind of comics that I aspired to be that I wanted, that made me want to do comedy. I never sought out this life. Um, and then just more and more, I just saw things go gradually more and more insane. And it felt like being in the comedy uh, industry, which is part of the liberal arts, uh, it felt very much at the epicenter of it. And I just saw people who I considered rational and sane slowly become demented with this, whatever you want to call it, neo-Marxism, progressivism, whatever it is. Neo-Marxist postmodernism. <laughs> yeah and and, and they yeah. just kind of went nuts and you couldn't and, and you couldn't talk to them anymore because every time you had tried to have a discussion with them they'd end up just shouting at you yeah a bit of an ideological capture quite disturbing but uh, mm -hmm. but yeah and, and 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 this idea that we started it it was you and question time yeah I, mean, I would say really we were just going along trying to be comedians and yeah. when i started 2011 this stuff was just starting a bit I was in this mm. final, I may have said it on your podcast, So You Think You're Funny, which is a sort of mm. big comedy competition. All these famous people have won it in the past or been mm. in the final. I was in the final. Uh, it was an all-female judging panel, and the sort of word on the street was, it has to be a woman that wins this year. Mm -hmm. Previous years, it had just been men for like decades, and no one cared. <laughs> Whether that's a good or yeah. bad thing, you can decide. But but that year, it like, has to be a woman, and then, of course, a woman won it. And I was called misogynist in the review. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we've entered a new world here. So um, that was the start of it in comedy when I noticed it. And then it just mm. got worse and worse. And the reason I say they started it as such is that we're just sort of responding. I can't speak for you, but I was just responding going, okay, there's no opportunities for me in this business now. I'm being told I can't have things based on my immutable characteristics. That seems a bit off. So there's no opportunity. So I'll have to just figure out something else. Now, of course, they can always come back as they have and say, you're just shit and you were too shit and X mm. and Y have done well. And there are, lots of people have done well. You know, there are brilliant comedians. Mm. Sean Walsh, he also got cancelled, but he came back. There are all these brilliant comedians have done well. So perhaps I just wasn't good enough. That, that might be an element of it. But I also, just like you, was just sick of the toxic cesspit of an industry. Yeah, and I just... And I don't even mind, and this is the thing, if somebody has, you know, progressive liberal opinions, whatever they are, whatever words you want to use, words no longer mean what they used to. I think we, we all know that. Um, and I genuinely don't mind. I don't care. You know, I, I, if you're a socialist, be a socialist. If you're right wing, if you whatever you want to be, be... What the problem that I have is when you start to impose your values on other people and you start to basically stop these people from speaking and you stop them from progressing in their careers because you think that is the wrong way of, of thinking. To me, that is disgusting and disgraceful and a complete antithesis to what the art should really be, which is freedom of expression. You, if you think about all the great comedians or the comedians that you respect and loved and looked up to, how many of them would have been accepted now? Would Patrice O'Neill be able to do what he did now? Would he be accepted? Or would he be just called the black face of white supremacy? And you know he would have been as well. <laughs> he probably would, to be fair to him, would have written a dynamite routine about it. Yeah. Well, he was truly fearless. And he was, to me, the greatest comic uh, alive. Uh, then he died, sadly. Then, yeah. then he became the greatest comic who's died. But he, he uh, did Elephant in the Room. If you haven't seen it, you should yeah. check it out. Truly, perhaps the greatest comedian, one of the greatest, greatest of all time total truth teller yeah you're right and, and and funnily like people like george carlin where would they be now because people like alex jones will play clips of him on Infowars. he certainly wouldn't <laughs> be on the woke side we can we can no. all agree on that no because we all know that what this movement is is it's completely authoritarian which is why i have such a problem with it and yeah. as a result they're going to deny you opportunities they're going to misrepresent what you what you're saying they're going to slander you they're going to do all of these types of things to you and yeah. that's the moment where i'm not I mean, you, you probably won't believe this. I'm not combative by nature. No, I but know I, I, But I just believe that, you know, there comes a point where you, as, a, as a human being and as a man, you have to say, no, enough, enough. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to stand up. But 
this this thing about um well speaking of comedy hmm. actually you asked me last night if i missed doing mm-hmm. stand-up and i said i didn't i don't never really think about it which is which is true i barely thought about it there was i thought about it for one reason the other day I can't, oh yeah i was thinking mm-hmm. i was thinking would i be happier if i actually had gigs still because my mate asked me and that's the only time i really thought about it surprisingly mm-hmm. because of lockdowns i got used to not doing it anymore mm-hmm. it's all i've done for 11 years relentlessly yeah but don't you i take the most i've ever taken off was like two weeks suddenly mm-hmm. we couldn't do it for three months and so i kind of eased me out of it and I realised I was actually happier not doing it so I actually never miss it I came back and did one gig with actually Jordan Peterson coming on before me at the backyard which was great yeah. and I was still still had it Francis and I made the outrageous claim to you last night that I'm one of the best comedians to have quit <laughs> like normally when a comedian quits they're just rubbish right whereas everyone acknowledges I was doing even if you hate me I was doing comedy store weekends I was doing comedy central mm. actually people don't acknowledge that now someone told me they were in a green room in Liverpool and mm-hmm. someone said, oh, well, Nick Dixon's not a proper comedian. He, he just says he is on GB. He never actually did comedy properly. Like, and then this guy came back and goes, no, no, he did weekends at the comedy store, which is like, for listeners, that's like the sort of benchmark of the comedy circuit yeah. in the UK. And he's like, no, he did everything he could do. And, and this guy was like, oh, I didn't know that. And the guy saying it hadn't done the comedy store. Just some, yeah. just some chance of mouthed it off. And it's like, I did 11 years of this shit and I don't even get the credit. But I walked away from it because I'm just was generally so disgusted and was actually just happy and moving into this weird area we're in now i don't know what we're in now we're sort of quasi humorous commentators i don't know it's a new niche yeah it's it's a new niche allow me to briefly interrupt the episode with francis for a quick word from our sponsor thor holt so in 1948 winston churchill said those that failed to learn from history are doomed to repeat it in 2012 christine paris said thor demonstrates high professional standards to help his clients achieve their greatest potential he went above and beyond to ensure his schedule aligned with mine regardless of time zone differences Thor is consistent, dependable, and accurate in carrying out his responsibilities to a successful conclusion. The bottom line, Thor is a preeminent authority in his field. If you have an opportunity to connect with him and learn from him, you would be wise to capitalize on that. And Christine was VP of Regulatory Compliance at Assurance Miami when she wrote that. In 1898, Churchill, after cavalry charging with the 21st Lancers, remarked, Nothing in life is so exhilarating as to be shot at without result. If you'd like to hear why a Miami cabbie threatened to shoot Thor with a taser en route to meet Vice President Christine, connect at linkedin.com slash in slash Thor Holt and mention tasers. Even if you don't wish to hear a taser tale, act today because success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Winston again. So it's linkedin.com slash in slash Thor Holt and it's thorholt.substack.com. T-H-O-R-H-O-L-T. And get in touch with Thor. He does pretty much everything. He, he always keeps it mysterious in his adverts, but he's a great person to work with, and I've worked with him myself and highly recommend him. Now back to the show with Francis. They, they said the same thing about me when I went on Rogan, and then I um, basically told them that they were all fucking pricks, which I stand by. <laughs> and they got yeah. very upset, and they all said to me, oh, you know, you're racist, you're, you're not a proper comedian, and... I was going to respond, and I'm, and then which is oh, worse? Which is the worst accusation? <laughs> you're racist, and, comedian, and by the way, mate. you're not a proper comedian. Yeah, wait, and I'm a proper comedian, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, yeah, exactly. racist bit. You got me. You got me on that one. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you just go, you just look at these people, and you know they don't, they just they don't have good intentions. Number one, and number two, and this is going to be probably sound quite harsh, and they're not very intelligent. They're not particularly smart. I remember one person, uh, one comedian, said that I was a right-wing incel. Now, if you had actually (laughs) asked him what... I mean... Incel was right, but right-wing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, mate. I'm a centrist incel. Uh, (laughs) I'm a MGTOW. It's a choice of me. Men going their own way. It's a choice, guys. I had a very attractive (laughs) That's what I should do, man. That's what my missus has done, mate. She goes her own way as well. Um, But uh, you just know that these people, they're... There's no, there's not good faith. Like I know, if I went up to this guy and said to him, and I, and I com- basically confronted him, number two, one, he'd, he'd, he'd fall apart, and number two, he wouldn't even be able to explain what an incel is. He'd be like, oh, it's a loser who just spends all day with his mum or whatever. And you go, and if I asked him what the words right wing meant, he wouldn't even be able to describe that either. He'd be like, oh, you hate the NHS, and it's, and you just go, oh, these are just not very bright people who are using words that they don't understand in order to throw, you know, digital rocks at an avatar in order to please their friends and escalate far, higher up the comedy circuit. 
That's yeah. essentially what's going on there. It's not even you. It's they, they don't know you. They've got no idea who you are, your opinions, your beliefs. They ju- You're just an avatar to them, which they can then use in order to demonstrate virtue, in order to climb up a ladder. That's all it is. Yeah. One point on there, incels get a tough rap when really they're only just people struggling to get girlfriends. I mean, it, it, most of them are harmless. Okay, there's the occasional one, who very yeah. tiny percentage who does some, something terrible and violent, but most of them are just like young men struggling and everyone hates them. It's like, guys. But on the on the comedy point, the comedy industry has really sort of boomer takes on the culture war in general, doesn't it? It just, mm. it sounds like a kind of guardian think piece from five years ago. It just, it's so sort of boomer and poor on, on, on it just doesn't get the nuance. It's not that interesting. Have you, have you, haven't you found mm. it? You tend to have the most route one BBC take on everything. Well, this is it. Look, so for instance, we'll just touch on the incels because we interviewed a evolutionary uh, psychologist called um, Matthew Costello, and um, he is a um, he's at the University of Texas, and he is an expert in uh, evolutionary psychology, uh, in particular incels. It was his area of study, so we actually looked into it. And do you is know, it, Nick, is, it, is this, it William Costello? Yeah, that's it, William. Costello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank I know you. This guy. Sorry, yeah. William. Uh, and uh, he actually said that, um, according to his research, most incels are actually left-wing. They're mostly really? left-wing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're, uh, they're mostly left-wing. There's a significant proportion of them that are actually ethnic minority. And a lot of them actually have autism and anxiety-based disorders and depression. So what you're actually talking about is a group of men who have disconnected from society, who have, in a sense, given up on everything. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. Uh, I, I, I don't think you, that is how you get better or that's how you win. But these are men with there's some real mental health problems there. And it's just been taken by people and used as a punchline in the same way that Brexit was used as a punchline by a group of people who have no understanding or sensitivity or empathy for anybody. They're just trying to get a cheap laugh. And you go... You don't know what you're talking about. And I remember when I had that realisation, I just stopped engaging. It's like when they were talking to me about Rogan. Yeah, but Rogan's this, Rogan's that, right? I'm like, have you met him? Do you know him? Have you listened to any of his stuff? You haven't. So why would I listen to your opinion on anything? Yeah. A couple of things and on that. And that's why most comedy is so boring. Because it's made by a lot of people who don't think deeply about anything. They don't have particularly interesting experiences. They don't read. And they give surface level opinions about topics that they have no understanding of. Yeah, on the incel thing, they just, yeah, they use it to mean something else. I mean, I've been called it twice on my own show that I named headliners by a comedian on there. And, and then I've also been called misogynist. Bit harsh, because um, this misogyny thing, women will send me tweets saying, thanks for standing up for us, mm. uh, you know, regarding things like safe spaces for women. Mm-hmm. So it's quite strange that me as a, as a misogynist, is, is the one standing up for women. It's a strange alliance between misogynists and TERFs. You know, it's, it's quite weird. Even on the TERF side, though, the, the radical feminist side, mm. they, were, they wasn't blaming everything on misogyny. Have you noticed that? Yeah. That's my only, the yeah, only thing yeah. that bothers me about their movement is they're right that biological men shouldn't be in women's changing rooms, obviously. They shouldn't be in mm-hmm. women's sports, obviously. But then they go, and this is just classic misogyny. I'm thinking, whoa, what did men do? But of course, they are men who are trying to get into the change room. But isn't it mm. more that they're sort of radical leftists or trans activists rather, and maybe not even trans people, but because pe- that's a tiny percentage, but people speaking on behalf of trans people, these radical activists, isn't that the problem rather than misogyny? I think the, or the is real it problem. Yeah, I think the real problem is uh, trans people being used as political footballs and what has become a deeply toxic uh, part, of the, part of the culture war. And what you're seeing more and more is, you know, that gender ideology is is coming into schools. You know, I've had teachers reach out to me a lot. We've seen it in Scotland where nobody, it seems nobody in the SNP knows what a woman is. Seven rapists in Scottish prisons, etc. So that's a real problem. The problem is, is that we then take people who have gender dysphoria, like, such as trans people, who are always a tiny percentage of the population, most of whom just want to live their life. We've interviewed around five or six of them, from trans women to trans men to detransitioners to people just living with gender dysphoria on our, on trigonometry. And the reality is, as with most people in society, they just want to get along and live their lives. 
And then you've got the the argument and you've got people exploiting loopholes in order to be, shall we put it, uh, abusive and predatory. Mm. Yeah. And you, you've done loads of work covering that. I, that was one thing people said to you recently. Well, what have you done against, mm. you know, in this movement? And then Constantin linked autistically to about 30 videos that mm. you guys have put out tackling the yeah. sort of tra- radical trans movement or whatever you'd call it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and and this is it. So, you know, you've got to accept as well that just that those people on the right are just like the woke left. You're never going to be pure enough. You're never going to do enough. You're never going to be as hardline enough. And that's fine. You just say to those people, great, you know, you do you. That's yeah. fine. That's so, the only way to deal with it. Since you mentioned uh, Rogan, what was mm-hmm. it like? What was it like doing Rogan? What was, what was Rogan like and what was your main takeaway from all that trip to america i mean you went over there you met rogan you met mm. matt walsh who you've now fallen out with you met sam harris whose career you ended i mean it was a hell of a tour <laughs> yeah my mate every time he sees me goes he just goes to me i used to really enjoy sam harris francis yeah why did Look, you take that from us yeah yeah what yeah he destroy sam? So, he's gone a bit gone a bit mad hasn't he sam i mean i don't want to i don't know i'm sure i don't want to say he's gone mad he's he's mm. taken some strange positions that from my perspective seem a bit bonkers and famously in case the listener somehow doesn't know what i'm talking about they were on, Fran, uh, francis and constant had sam harris on trigonometry and he made this bizarre point that it doesn't matter if joe biden or is it hunter biden or joe biden hunter has, biden, hunter biden, hunter biden yeah. has children in his basement he's still yeah. better than dead kids. trump dead kids in the basement yeah sorry yeah and and, and that went viral and it didn't go very well for sam and it seems to end in him deleting his twitter account although that may have been later because of elon musk taking over twitter but yeah. I don't know, it it didn't go well for him, but you guys weren't trying to stitch him up, presumably. No, not at all, not at all. Look, uh, as with you, uh, Constantine as well, Sam was one of his, and continues to remain as one of our heroes. I use his waking up app every morning. I think he is... Really? Yeah, you know, yeah I use uh, Sam. By the way, as you say, as with me, I'm, I'm not a particular fan of Sam Harris because he's, oh. he's an atheist lefty. I don't, ha- I don't <laughs> hate him. But he says oh, some right. stuff. I, I, he's not one of my particular... He, he may be of you and Constant. Sorry, carry on. Okay, all right, cool. Um, and when I met him, what a great guy. What a lovely guy. You know, we... Um, we he came in, he sat down. But man, bear in mind, this is one of the biggest guests we've ever had. This is one of the biggest, you know, in, in the culture war. He's, he's a huge figure. And he sat down and um, the, the mic started to play up. The tech started to fall apart. Anton, our producer, who is a very handsome, rugged Greek man, ended up going sort of the colour of alabaster, turning completely drenched in sweat, uh, looking rather like a man, you know, who'd been caught in one of those pedo traps. You know, and just, and just be like, I don't know what I'm... Just what are the pedo? Are they like bear traps? Or are they more of a yeah, sort of... Pe- pedo hunters, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And looking so stressed. And Sam... And we'd already been waiting an hour and he was talking with us about comedy, how much he loves Bill Burr. He turned around to Anton. He did almost this kind of Jedi mind trick. We just held up his hand and went, I've got the rest of the afternoon off. It's really, it's all good. I'm enjoying the conversation. You take your time. It'll be fine. And then in five minutes, the tech just rectified itself. And he gave us an hour and a half more than we were meant to have. Sam Harris is an actual Jedi, is what you're telling me. Yeah. The tech's working fine, and these aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, and then things exactly. Just work. Wow. Yeah, And then exactly. you ended his career, then... so... He <laughs> 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 you should have used his Jedi skills to not say that. Yeah. I mean, well, how did, what, did, did, the fact he didn't even contact you about that and say, can you take out the dead children? But he just thought it was fine, because he yeah. hates Trump so much. Well, the thing is, there's a saying in Venezuela, which is, cada loco con su tema which means that everybody basically gets driven nuts by one thing. And there's one or two topics that every single person has that they cannot be rational over. Whether it's Trump, Everton Football Club, you know, the you know the Brexit, it doesn't matter. Everybody has that one thing. And What's yours? For, it's when people lecture me about socialism. <laughs> it gets me so angry. It's never been properly tried, Francis. You're like, ah, oh, it has. Yeah, it's the only oh, thing that helped my uncle to... lose. Yeah, to Venezuela. It's the only thing that helped my uncle lose weight. <laughs> well, so some positives. 
So yeah, yeah, so your family's from Venezuela. You know the reality of socialism, and they tell mm. you that wasn't real socialism, and then you want to smash yeah. them in the face. Yeah, I just can't because you try and have a conversation. They're like, no, 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 it's not real socialism. It's not... and you go All right. You can't. You can't. You just can't. But Sam has got two of those. He's got Trump, and he's got COVID. Hmm. And in every other thing, he is incredible. He's logical. He's ferociously analytical. And then when it comes to Trump, he's like, Aah! he's also got religion and Christianity. But yeah, at least his arguments there mm-hmm. are, are more logic based. But yeah, when it comes to yeah. the vaccines, it's just bonkers. He just he said that really bizarre thing recently. I, I, I'm definitely paraphrasing or misquoting, but it was sort mm. of along the lines of, in a way, it, it'd been, if it had been more serious, at least we'd have been able to find out, you know, force more people to take the vaccine. It sounded like what he was saying to me, but then people said that wasn't yeah. what he was saying. But he has yeah. some bonkers views about the vaccine, very yeah. rapidly pro-vax, I would say. And rapidly yeah. anti-Trump, everyone would agree with. Yeah, but even so, it doesn't mean we actually didn't. The bit that went, the clip that went viral, we didn't clip. It was somebody else who clipped it, who is a rabid Trump supporter and obviously hated Sam Harris, and then made it go viral. We reached out to Sam; he was fine. It, to be honest with you, it was mixed emotions actually, because you know we you don't want. You don't want someone to go through a pylon because of an interview that they did with you. That's not why we bring on trigonometry. It's not why we brought you on. It's not why we brought Sam Harris on. It's not why we bring anybody on. We don't want people to go through a horrible time. We want people to come on, to speak, to share what the way they see the world, for us to explore, push back, and then it's for the audience member to make up their own mind whether they like the interviewee or not. That's our role as interviewers, to, to make, to show... My role is like when you came in to do trigonometry, you gave a great in- you gave a great interview. My role as an interviewer was for the people to see the best version of Nick Dixon possible. That's what I wanted, and the most honest version. It's well, I, I was going to say I'm always I'm always honest, but that time in the morning after I just had a pile <laughs> on from the comedy industry, it may not have been the best Nick Dixon, but it certainly yeah. would have been an honest one. But yeah, you you you, you definitely get great interviews out of people. And I, I feel the same as you. I interviewed Andrew Bridge and he said mm-hmm. something that someone claimed may be libelous. I, the person concerned wouldn't sue anyway, probably. But the last thing, I, I, I edited it out. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is get my guest in legal trouble or me. Yeah. But and, and people will take this as a great win that like they've made you do something. I'm like, no, that's just fine by me. I, I took an article down off a, a website because people were saying things I didn't like in the comments about me. I'll, I'll take anything down. I don't care. It already had a load of views. <laughs> it leveled out in views anyway. People think this yeah. is a great victory for you know, the activist. It's like, mm. yeah, I'm not bothered about that. But yeah, make your guests look good. Speaking of which, I, I've got so distracted from my own question. Mm. I forgot, what did you, what was it like doing Rogan and what was he like? Uh, Joe Rogan is, what you see with Rogan is what you get. He is uh, exactly as you see on the podcast. There's literally no difference. Genuinely, he's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. Uh, what he's done, he's built the biggest podcast in the world. He's single. He's almost single-handedly taken on the American mainstream media. He didn't. When people were trying to cancel him, we get idiots on the internet, or we get losers in the comedy industry. Joe Rogan had Joe Biden openly calling for his cancellation. You know, it's it's a different level. Um, I really liked him. I think he's a great comic. We went to his club afterwards. We saw Theo Vaughn. We saw Tony Hinchcliffe. We saw um, Hans Kim. Um, and then Joe came and headlined it and did about 15 minutes, absolutely smashed it. A great guy. I was really impressed with him. I was really, really impressed with him. And did he make you eat elk meat? No, he didn't. Ah, so there you go. So a lot of people say he forces you to eat elk meat and shoot a crossbow, <laughs> but it's good to know that that's not, that's I, not true. I, I think he would have, I think he scored a look to me, mate, and thought if I, if I try and shoot a crossbow, I'd probably end up doing more damage to myself, mate, than the yeah. actual, you know He's what I mean? smart. He's where he is yeah. for a reason. Um, yeah. I've actually actually supported Theo Von, uh, uh, um, the Shepherd's Bush Empire, whatever it's called these days. Do you know that? Yeah, no, was, yeah, actually, I remember it. How was it? I love Theo. I it think was great. I smashed that one. It was quite funny because his American support act was sort of giving it the big one before the thing. Nice enough guy, but he was sort of, you, you could tell he thought I was going to be shit and was sort of telling mm. me the rules like I was a moron, telling me what I had to say about Theo, like, you know, like making me mm. read it back like I'm a child. And then I go yeah. on and like, I'm thinking like, bro, you're in my backyard. This is a London gig. Yeah. I'm going to destroy this. And I just come on, just bla- blaze the gig. 
did much better than him. Then he respected me after. <laughs> yeah. And when I think about moments like that, maybe I could start to miss comedy because I'm up there in the, I don't know what it's called now. Is it called the O2 something? It's some big arena. It used to be Shepherd's Bush. It's a big theatre. Is it Hammersmith Apollo, isn't it? Uh, no, it's, 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 it's Shepherd's Bush, but now it's run by O2. It's a different oh, venue, is isn't it? it? Oh, I don't know. Shepherd's I Bush, but I one of these big theatres yeah. anyway. Yeah. You're smashing a theatre. You're going, this is, this is what it's all about. So maybe I could miss mm. that part of it. But um, yeah. you, did, you did a podcast with him as well. What was that like? Oh, it was great, man. He was, uh, I mean, we were really high after doing Rogan because Rogan passed us a pure blunt spliff two hours in. Mm. So the last two hours of it, we were off our face. Got back uh, to the house that we were renting the Airbnb, interviewing Theo. And uh, we are, so we were talking and uh, we, he just looked to me and he went, you guys have, we call it artism. Oh my! Thanks, Theo. Nice. What was? Yeah, he, yeah, he's gone. He was a nice guy. He he took us for dinner and stuff like that, and very funny guy. He's one of the most naturally talented comedians I've ever seen, if not the most naturally talented, in my opinion. Yeah, he wasn't I've quite seen... in my league, but he he was good. <laughs> he is. I, I was so impressed with him. I saw him sit on a chair in front of three hundred people and smash the shit out of a room, and I've never seen anyone do that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very impressive. And what was... I'm sorry to go through these. We can, we can edit no, it. No, man. If it, get, if it gets it's too many, point. we can edit it. But I'm curious to know what Bill Burr was like. Oh, uh, Bill. Brutal. Brutal. You out of your mind? It's brutal. Unbelievable. Yeah. He turned up in a black Ford Mustang, got up, got out, came in, jean jacket, uh, walked in and went, hey, how you doing? I went, that's what I want from Bill Burr. I want yeah. you to turn up in a black Ford Mustang. All American, I want you... no nonsense. Yeah. yeah, and he just sat down. And then uh, he looked at Anton, our producer, who's a very always in-shape, muscly guy. I can't do his accent. Oh, there we go. That was smooth. And he went, um, he went, eh, why is your personal trainer your producer? That's <laughs> <laughs> Which Anton is a huge fan of um, Bill Burr, so he was fucking thrilled. Yeah, yeah, as a compliment. You know, yeah, yeah. You know when a little dog knows it's about to be taken for a walk in the park and it just yeah, starts yeah, yeah. doing laps. Yeah, that's what he was doing practically. Hilarious. Another brief interruption here, just to say we have a special offer for listeners. This is brand new, so listen up. So Harry Willis is a men's online fitness transformation and health coach. He's also a regular writer for the international fitness brand Techno Gym. And Harry will design a bespoke plan for your workouts and diet and work with you one-on-one the whole way. He won't just email you a program and let you get on with it. So he's now offering not only a zero-obligation 45-minute free consultation, he's also guaranteeing that when you join up, you'll lose five kilograms in your first five weeks or he'll coach you for free until you do. Just quote the current thing when you make contact. So get in touch with Harry on Instagram at Harry underscore Willis or willis-coaching.com willis is w-i-l-l-i-s so adam who introduced me to harry in the first place has sent me his results and i have to say they are sick as the kids say he looks amazing not in a gay way not there's anything wrong with that but adam sent me a picture of his back and it's unbelievable he said he'd sort of let things slide a little bit he had some back problems etc but now with harry he looks incredible i have to say so take Harry up on this offer, guys. It's a free consultation and I guarantee you'll lose five kilograms in your first five weeks or it's free. And it's at Harry underscore Willis or www.willis-coaching.com. Now back to the show. All right, so I'm glad these people all lived up to your expectations. You were telling me, I don't know if this is a secret, but you were going to move to America or you'd be open to moving to America because like me, yeah. you think this country, our country is basically finished. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, no, I just, I really loved the act, even more so than the, than anything. Look, more than anything, I just love the American attitude. I just like they're fucking positive. I like the fact that they don't have a fucking class system. Yeah. You know? Well, they, it's sort of based, they do a bit, but it's based more just around money. It's not based on yeah. ancient, really complicated things where we can look at someone and immediately assess whether we could be friends with them, whether we'd be invited to their wedding based on their yeah. facial structure and accent. <laughs> yeah, and, and the way they do their cuffs and the shoes that they wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? We can, it's I just, just, it's, we're so weird. We're like, we're, we like evolved like some sort of spe- creature to just sort of 
know, like within a millisecond, people's class background to a pathetic degree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we, we can talk because we can figure out we're roughly the same comprehensive school, yeah. normal people. And we know if someone's posh, this is my experience, we can like them, but we think they'll never truly treat us as an equal. And we can, we can yeah. assess that within seconds. Yeah, and that's it. And then you just go. <laughs> and even if we become super successful and become millionaires, all we're going to do is just hang around with people like us who've made shitloads of money. <laughs> and then we'll be looking at the, the posh people going, he's a fucking prick. Anyway, lobster linguine for me, please. Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's what it my is. Mates, it's, it's people like Tonks from the North. Oh, a Northern yeah. man who was a comedian, yeah. who is a comedian, a Northern comedian male from a conference who was like, yeah, that's just, just, just you, isn't it? It's just like, those are my friends. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such... And, and immediately, we're like dogs, you know. There, there's a... I'm not going to say his name because... But he's a really nice guy and we just bumped into each other and we haven't even known each other. And we started talking and we just realised... And he just sent me a message going, do you want to meet down the calf on Saturday? <laughs> it's just something we just know. We just know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, then, and, and in America, they don't have that shit. Do you reckon lower middle class can hang out with working class? Because like, if I sort of hang around people, maybe it's my barber, maybe it's someone else, and they're slightly more working class than me, and I'm more lower middle. My dad was working class, but I'm more yeah. probably lower middle. But we can hang yeah. out no problem at all. But I can't go up to posh. No. And a posh person could come down to me, but they probably won't. But for yeah. some reason, lower, I think there's lower middle class and working class can hang out. And then yeah. there's an, and then it gets beyond that. We can't go. We can't go above that. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, I think that is, man. But do the working class, do the proper working class people not pro- secretly not trust me? Yeah, <laughs> they, I don't know. I d- see. This is interesting because, like, if if it's proper working class, then what invariably happens is that you've got to toughen up when you're around them because your lower middle class sensitivities. Get, you know, a few bruises, don't they? Yeah, you have like, to go back to school tough. when you used to just say yeah. now and and you, you yeah. said, never said more than one syllable. And uh, yeah. we used to say, in Cumbria, we said Lalan, which meant little, and now and summit, and like, you got a yeah. sani, and everything was like, that's how I used to talk. That was how genuinely, yeah. that's how I was. Yeah. But you sort of go back, to, we've all been Londonified, and we go back to our roots. Well, this is it. And so as a result of that, then you, you kind of revert back to where you were. But that, but that's why I loved, I loved the, the US. It's like, because look, on on the one hand, rapidly, rapidly capitalist, blah, 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 but you just go like, no one gives a fuck. They all they look at it and go, can you make me money? You can make yeah. me money. You're fucking in. Yeah. That's they don't give a shit, and th- and that is actually really refreshing, as opposed yeah. to the bullshit here. Yeah, celebrating success. That must be the biggest biggest difference. Yeah. We just don't have that at all. <laughs> we, just, we don't. We have hatred. And that's why everyone hates you for being on the, the comedy industry. will all hate you because you went on Rogan. Yeah. Well, that, that was it. That's why they all hated me. And I just find it funny. Like, And I've tried to bring back that thing. So like, if I see my friend doing something or whatever else, I'll go quote tweet or I'll go, or if they're doing something great, I'll say, well done, man. That's awesome. I remember like, I, I, I was saying to my friend, like, oh, he, whatever he did. And I was just like, oh, that's great, man. You should be really happy. And he looked at me and was like, the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> been in America too What's long. What's wrong mate. with you? You've been yeah. in America. Yeah, yeah. You've changed. <laughs> You've changed. You let this rugged shit go to your head. What do you mean? Why are you thanking me? What do you want? <laughs> Why are you being supportive and thinking that we yeah. can all make it together? Yeah. Mate. When we really know that due to the layers of the class system, <laughs> only one of us is going to make it out of here. And it is my duty to rip your throat out to ensure it's not you. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? That is hilarious. That is a good attitude to have. I mean, I've not always been like that. I can be, I can yeah. be resentful and silently plot on my own. I mean, definitely. Mm. But, but yeah, you, you're more like that. You're nicer than me, though. So, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> why do you think the country is finished, though, Britain, England, or Britain either? Well, look, I always think that you know there will be a regeneration. Things will, you know, will come around. Things will improve. I, I'm just very worried in it because I look at the both sets of political parties. And I see a complete dearth of ideas, vision, ability in, in most cases, and the will to change things. And if that being the case, then how are we going to get out of this? That's yeah, where I am. Our, our political parties are totally detached from the people. Mm. I think you were saying to me last night, no one's got any new ideas. We've got reform, but they're basically like Lib Dems from the 90s. They don't really have any policies that are that exciting on the cultural level. 
so moribund political parties, they're useless. Yeah, no one's going to pick. We've got inflation, we've got strikes, we've had the, we've got COVID mania, we've got net zero mania, we've got mass immigration, we've got illegal immigration, we've got mm. a failing NHS or failed, you could say, and we could go on. Yeah. But and tax is ridiculously high. And tax is ridiculously high. So you, 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 you're looking at this and going, I don't see... I always think with a problem, you should never worry about a problem until you can't see a way out of a problem. But I'm looking at this problem and I can't see a way out, Nick. And that is really worrying me. And well, that's what worries me. Yeah, I wrote this piece called England is Lost Forever on my social I read it. So, oh, it was yeah. great. Thanks, man. You can see I mean, how it I ruined felt. my evening, but it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was a heartfelt bit of pessimism. But mm. so many people I've spoken to felt like this. And they're not all right-wing yeah. nutters. I mean, some of them no. are, obviously. But one person who's like a, a libertarian was like, had a very bleak view of it and said, well, we just have to soldier on. And some of the stuff mm. he said was so even bleaker than me. And obviously, I've had Carl Benjamin on the show. He basically thinks we're done, but we need to try Hello. anyway. Whereas he, he had that debate with Peter Hitchens on Twitter, who was like, yeah. it's over. Carl was like, it's over, but it's our duty to try it. That's about as optimistic as, as it gets now. And I'll mm. speak to just all sorts of normal people who are feeling this sense of loss and that the country's finished. I think my friend Paul is the only one I've heard who's like more optimistic. He's such an optimist. Toby yeah. Young, a little bit optimistic on our podcast, but so many people who are not even in the culture war as well, just have a sense that the country's done. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's that's really sad and that's really worrying. And I I think a lot of people are looking at the UK and not really recognising what is going on and what is happening to it and mourning what it, what it used to be or what they perceived it was. When, when the Queen died, and look, people were obviously upset because, you know, they had a real affinity with her and a connection with her and she was an exemplary monarch. But I, I think it went far deeper than that. I think the reason people were so upset when she died is because they knew that that was the last link with the old England. Yeah. If I'm being honest. And yeah. I think that's why. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think that they realised or understood that. But I think that's kind of what it was. Yeah. It hit everyone, including me, much harder than mm. we thought. And partly it's because she'd been in our lives for so long and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And all that and some sort of matriarchal figure to the country. But but also, we all sense that's the end of an era, like you say. Yeah, it was the end of an era. I keep putting the yanking these things out of my flipping head. Yeah, sorry. It was the end of an era. It was... It, it was kind of the last links to, you know, Britain or the UK or England that we used to know from way back. And as a result of that, it's like we're, we're, we're somewhere completely different now. And I think people are, it really upsets people because people are looking round and they see things changing. And look, life, society always changes. And, you, you, and it is your duty to adapt to changes as best you can. But I think people are very uncomfortable with a rapid change of pace or, and the pace of it. And I think that's a problem. Yeah, especially post-1997, there was this mm. radical shift in mass immigration. This guy, Andrew Nether, said he wanted to rub the rights noses in diversity was one quote and all mm -hmm. this you know why was it done that suggests it was deliberate some people say it wasn't deliberate and that's just one of many factors but yes and and there's this argument carl has raised carl benjamin about mm. there's been this anglo-saxon nostalgia that we've always had mm. and that may be true but i've certainly never known in my lifetime this number of people to feel this sense of disquiet we may always have mm. a touch of nostalgia but we weren't going around thinking it's over like so many of us now are mm. But then uh, I'll offer a counter uh, counterpoint to the uh, this argument. Um, when we interviewed, I think it was Simon Jenkins, Guardian or writer. Very interesting, actually. He was a very, very good journalist. And he said, look, I remember the 70s. People were saying the same thing about the in the 70s. Thatcher came in, changed the country. And in, a, in seven, eight years, it was booming. Mm. So maybe that's um, not, not Thatcher, but maybe what we need is somebody who's got the strength, the toughness, the balls to take people on and to actually deliver a vision that works. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe. I don't know where, where this person is, but they're somewhere. It was Liz Truss, Francis, and they got rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> she was the new Thatcher. They got rid of yeah. her. Well, they say Rishi Sunak's done very well with this Northern Ireland deal. Maybe it's Rishi, all my listeners thinking, 
no, it's not Reese, you know, shut up. Obviously, no. it's not. We know that. We know that. It was a joke. But um, hmm. what does one do? Because I can't go to... Well, I read an article the other day. Huge numbers of people were going to Australia or planning to go to Australia. They're saying, that's it, mm-hmm. we're going to Australia. I can't because, one, my job's here. But, two, I got skin cancer when I was in Dubai. I'm very, very white. You can even tell on this stream. I'm looking at myself. I was accusing you of looking sort of jaundiced. I actually look ridiculously pink and awful. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm far too white. I went to Dubai. I got skin cancer. I'm going to have to stay here, Francis, and defend our island home, <laughs> whatever the cost may be. So I've got no chance. I've got no choice. But are you going to still get out or, or you have to stay here because of your podcast? Uh, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Who knows what the future holds? But for the, for the foreseeable, I'm going to stay in the UK. I'm going to stay in England. I'm going to stay in London. And then we'll see what happens. All right. But uh, I think there's tough times ahead, mate, if I'm being brutal. Yes, it could, be a, it could be a while. Well, let me just ask you about the podcast. Because mm-hmm. why it's done so well is a good question. Working and doing trigonometry, um, trigonometry is, it's a beast. It's a beast. It, it always has been. It's, you know, I, I remember there was a comedian who came up to me and went to me, oh, I'd love to do trigonometry. And I go, no, you won't. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, you don't want to work that hard. And he laughed and went, yeah, you're right. <laughs> So I think it's the, you're working in a high comp- hyper-competitive environment. You're working where you're always improving. People around you are always improving. The thing is with podcasts, it's with a top whatever percent, 0.1% who make any money at it. And you've always got to be constantly striving. You've always been constantly involving. Constantine's brilliant at that. Brilliant at, you know, looking, saying, what do we need to do in order to move forward? I guess the more I've done trigonometry and my experiences of meeting, you know, you know, amazing people, people who've, you know, genuinely, genuinely changed the cultural zeitgeist. It's just made me realise that we all need to work together. Everybody in comedy needs to work together. We all, there's no point in us going, oh, he's doing better than me, she's doing worse than me. That's just a low status, low grade mentality, which we all need to get over, myself included. I think it's our responsibility to help each other, pull each other up. The bigger my the bigger my um, audience grows, the more I want to be able to help other comedians. The more I want to put their content in front of my audience. That's what I want to do. That's what Joe does. That's what and he does that, and he's he's helped people have amazing careers. You know, Bert Bert Kreischer. Uh, Tom Segura, you know Theo Vaughn, Tim Dillon, all these people would no wouldn't be as successful as they are without Rogan. And what what a wonderful lesson to observe. So for me, what I want to do is I want to stop thinking about who's doing better, who's doing worse, and I think we just got to start helping each other because we were in an industry where no one helped each other, and everybody punched down. And everybody wanted to trip somebody up so they could get the opportunity. And in the end, who really won with that? We were all fucking miserable. And we were all looking over our shoulder. And we were all being envious. And we were all pretty... Well, I can only talk from my own experience. I wasn't happy with that. I would much rather be the person who, you know, can invite friends on, can create opportunities for other people so that they go off and succeed. That would mean that would mean that would mean loads to me. I've got projects of my own that I want to do with trigonometry, but we're you know, and you know, and invite you to come on and do some comedy. And if that means that then you your following explodes, I'd I'd be fucking delighted. Yeah, I don't want to think. Attitude. I don't want to think like we used to think on the circuit. It makes you mean spirited, and it makes you angry. It makes you resentful. And all you do is you just turn that resentment on yourself. And to be honest, you Nick, like I'm forty, so are you. It's too fucking short. <laughs> What's the point? Well, that's you know? right. I mean, don't don't say our ages in showbiz. But apart from that, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right, man. And that's one reason I did trigonometry. Would have done it anyway. I guess it's a good show yeah. and everything. But because I thought it took real character for you and Constantine to defend me when I was being attacked by the comedy industry. Two reasons it took character. One, because I hadn't always necessarily got on totally with Constant anyway, mm. so he didn't have to do it. And and two, because you're just putting your head above the parapet and defending an mm. unpopular person at the time, which was me. So I thought that took great character. 
And that's why I wanted to do the podcast. I forgot to say it on the podcast, but I'll say it now because mm. it's too early in the morning. I thought it took a great character from you and Constant. I told you personally, but I forgot yeah. to say it on the podcast. And that was really great. And anyone who defended me kind of has a lifetime pass with me, not just because I'm so cool. Mm. I think maybe I did say this, not because I'm so cool, but because it was the right thing to do and it took balls. And look, I was it angered me so much to see what they did to you. It it made me so furious because it was bullying. That's all it was. It was just a group of people deciding to bully another person and misrepresent and try and ruin them. And before in the past, there were times where I should have stood up for other people and I didn't because I was in that industry and I worried how it would affect my chances. But now I'm out of it and I'm just, I'm not going to have it anymore. I'm just, I'm not. I'm not going to let these people just think that they have, they're entitled to wreck another person's career and reputation simply because they disagree with them. It's over. It's done. It's done. And what I want to do is I want to make trigonometry as big as possible. So it's huge. So it's a Joe Rogan of Europe. So that great comics like yourselves, like Leo, like Nico, like all of these people who all deserve to be bigger than they are can come on and we can give you a massive platform for you to do your stuff. And that's what I want to do. And that's that's the purpose of the show. Brilliant. And um, and if anyone doesn't know, he's talking about Nico Yearwood, who's an excellent comic. Yeah. And um, Leo Curse, of course, you will know. And if anyone doesn't know the little thing that happened to me, which is, uh, Toby calls it a mini cancellation, because on the scale of cancellations, very, very small, more of a pile on. Mm. But you can watch my trigonometry episode, because we, we, we go into it there in a lot of detail. And, um, and you're right. Do you know what? We don't have to care about the comedy industry because you're even talking like we're still in comedy. I don't even think I am anymore. We're in this, no. I'm in this other world. But either way, both worlds, whatever this world we're in now, we need to have camaraderie. And yeah. whether you describe it as comedy or sort of alternative media or whatever you call it. Mm. And the other thing I'd say is it's so funny, this thing about not caring what the comedy industry thinks anymore. That's been a great thing for me since I started writing for Spiked mm. and then I went on GB and all these other things. I've been mm. able to say what I want. But the best was the other day, I was writing about Samantha Presti, who was, mm. she was sort of cancelled from the comedy industry, a comedian mm. who said the wrong thing, got cancelled. So I wrote about it for the Daily Skeptic, and I just laid into Chortle, which is Chortle yeah. as a comedy blog that in the comedy industry is like, it's like the, the, waiting from the, from the, you know, blessing from the Pope, from getting yeah. this guy, Steve, who writes this blog and secretly mm. works for the mail. But like... He just writes this blog and comedians live and die by it. But I was in a position where I, could, I was able to call it something like a low IQ typo ridden screed. And I'm like, no comedian can do this. I can attack Chortle. What can he do? I'm not really in the business anymore. I'm in a separate business. So that was a great moment for me. And we don't have to care. Yeah. But you're right. When we were in comedy, it's very dog eat dog. It's backstabbing. It's nasty. And because there's not enough mm-hmm. to go around, basically, is why. So it's, everyone's just backstabbing. To... Yeah. And it creates a... Uh, a uh what's it called not a deficient mentality a scarcity mentality it's just not a nice way to live man no let's live by you know by helping each other by helping each other up by retweeting each other's contents by standing up for each other when people come for them and turning into a socialist now francis you sound like a commie (laughs) (laughs) you fucking commie yeah well i just like for the next however long we all have uh I just want that to be the way that that we that we live and that we exist because it just makes for a better life. Seems like a pretty positive message. Maybe we can end on that. Maybe we can just add one yeah. question to that, which is, is that how we win? Because I sort of ask people on this podcast how we yes. win this culture yes. war thing. That is how you win, by being the example, by not... Step it by not going down to their level, by not engaging in smears, by not hurling epithets, by doing none of these things, by maintaining dignity, maintaining class, focusing on the arguments, and if you're an artist producing great art, if you're a comedian producing great comedy, because if you do that, then you will win, because their hands are tied, and what they say the vast majority of them don't believe. All right, brilliant. And if we do make a mistake, you can also just acknowledge your mistake as you've done, as I've done, and, and move on and grow. Like you say, it sounds a bit sort of self-helpy, but like, like you were saying at the start, they don't allow for growth, but we need to allow for humans to fail and grow. And we make mistakes because we're all human, uh, because we're all flawed, and 
it's only by making mistakes that we can improve. All right, what, what a positive message it. today. See, it's not just mm. us bitching about the culture war. We did say the country is over, but we offered a positive ending. <laughs> Close on something positive. End on your best on your best joke in comedy. End on a positive message. Um, where can people find you, fans? Obviously, they'll know you, but watch your Twitter and yeah. all that stuff. Uh, it's at Francis J. Foster, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm on the Chinese spyware TikTok, um, if you want. Uh, also on Facebook, Francis Foster Comedian. And just yeah, check out Trigonometry and check out our great interview with Nick. It's brilliant. Oh, thanks, man. And you're doing these videos now. Which What's the idea behind them? Oh, the idea one. behind them is basically that no comedian wishes to go near these topics, whether it's the Isla Bryson, you know, the uh, the uh, tra- the man who identifies as a trans woman. He got a uh, court-onset gender dysphoria. And um, now he doesn't want to go into prison. So, so that's um, you as a kind of a character, but it's quite close to you. It's basically a man yeah. with a regal accent <laughs> shouting about how pissed off they are with the world. So it's, yeah. It's just a character, right? It's kind of, yeah, mate. We'll, we'll call it a character. <laughs> well, defence always worked for Stuart Lee. If, if you're getting any trouble, yeah. just say it's a character. That's Yeah, best. exactly. All right. Obviously, I'm a Nick Dixon comic. And give this podcast a five-star rating. Thank you for all your ratings so far. People have descended on it with many great ratings, which is really good because, you know, the, the activists are always trying to attack and, uh, and find us and attack our podcast and stuff. But this is great. It's got a 4.9 out of 5 now, so you can't say much better than that. But go on there and uh, give it a five-star rating. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again. And thanks to you, Francis. No, it's been a pleasure, Nick. And I uh, look forward to seeing you at GB News sometime. All right done all right so that was a fun episode with francis i thought hope you liked it let me know i always like seeing francis um, i've known him for many many years and we have a good laugh and occasionally i've done banter about trigonometry but we are mates and i thought he had a lot of interesting things to say and it was fun and i just forgot to mention my substack go to nickdixon.substack.com as well as all the other places we asked you to go and also thank you very much for your reviews so a couple of haters came in and tried to sabotage my podcast on apple but you've all kindly come in and given it great reviews and i'm sure they're genuine as well but you know we have to do these things with so much hate out there and someone's written seriously good and funny with it a great podcast with some deep thinkers nick brings a light touch humor and a lot of insight to the critical issues of the moment and someone here has said love nick dixon which is what a great review this is from hughley doyson what a great review recently discovered nick on gb news love his style ignore the haters nick some of us are sick to death of the normal absolutely so thanks for your reviews oh and there's one more funny one here and it's titled obligatory dixon confidence boost and for a second i didn't get that i was like what does he mean well i'm giving him confidence with my work but no he means i need the confidence boost for my fragile ego clearly and to be honest he's absolutely right and the review just says top man nick love it all keep it up pal so i thank you very much for that I do need your encouragement to keep going. So we now have 4.9 out of 5 on Apple Podcasts from 59 ratings, which is great. So just send in your ratings on the Apple app or wherever you listen. And we'll be back soon. I've got some great guests in the pipeline. Sorry about the little hiatus we had, but we are back all guns blazing. So I'll see you soon.